gonna sing. That's right. God, we are so thankful for you. We are amazed at you, Lord. You're the only thing, the only one who deserves our amazement. Lord, I pray today that you will speak to us and that we will leave here amazed if we aren't already. Lord, so thank you for this time and thank you for uh, allowing us to come together. Speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! Man, that is an incredible, incredible song. Um, Because we serve an incredible, incredible God. You know? But... What I'm concerned about, and even in my, as, it's ironic that, that I'm talking about this today, many of us, if we look at our lives, are not amazed by God. Come on now. Come on, we aren't. Things are hard. Things are, are rough. Like, God, did you call me? To th- this is what it's about? And we just get in this place. Um, and I've personally been in this place as well even over these last few months. And um, uh, I want to just start out by, we'll read the word, and then we'll just jump right in. So if you could just stand with me. um, In your bulletins should be the scripture that we're going to read this morning. It comes from Matthew 10, starting in verse 5. I'll read it. You don't just read along. You don't have to read out loud. It says, Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Don't acquire gold, silver, copper, or your money for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or staff for the, for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if that household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your word, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it is more tolerable on that day and on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Gracious Lord, again, speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, some of y'all might not know, so I'm going to tell you. I'm also, uh, I work at Pike High School with Young Life, but I'm also a volunteer coach with the football team. And kicking coach at that. So I'm on the bottom of the rung. You know, no one cares again about kickers until they miss a kick. Who's our kicker? Is what is normal the question, right? Um, but one of the great things I've been able to do over the last few years is have, we have a chapel service, okay? So every Friday before a game, 
they get to choose, players get to choose to come down to this chapel service. And we've been averaging about 40, 50 young men coming to that each week. Um, and we have different speakers come in. Well, uh, this week I was like, we need to bring in a heavy hitter. We need to bring in like, like the man. And we brought in Pastor Costin. And he, he brought the house. You know, and, and he shared a quote from someone else that I don't know. So we're going to quote the person that I don't know, quoting Pastor Costin, that I'm now going to take as my quote. So put three italics um, by it. And he said, this, he said this to the team. He goes, and mind you, we are one in five. Uh, we were one in four before he spoke. Uh, we were one in five after he spoke. I didn't help. We were looking for a special blessing that did not, did not come. Did not come. Um, he said this. He goes, don't let winning get to your head. And don't worry. Uh, but we were coming off our one win. Don't let winning come to, uh, get to your head and don't let losing get to your heart. Let me say that again. Quote somebody, Pastor Costin, Mike Newton. Don't let winning get to your head and don't let losing get to your heart. And I have a feeling, if you're like me, many of us come in here with heavy hearts where losing or something of that sort has gotten to your heart and made you question, did God call you to what you're doing? You know what I'm saying? It has been a rough couple of months for Kristen and I uh, when it comes to, is God called us to do this? I've been doing it for 20 years, but has he really called us to do this? Some of the questions you might have, did God really call me to do this? Did God really say that? Is God really going to take care of us? God, I don't have what it takes. Will God really provide? It's not me, you know. Will I be the only one? And I don't think those are, those are not unique questions. They've been asked since the beginning of time. In the Garden of Eden, did God really say that? You know, um, Israel, is God really going to take care of us if we leave this bondage and go somewhere else? Abraham, did God really call me to go to this land? To have the, you know, Moses, I don't have what it takes. So these questions are not new. The enemy tries to trick us all the time with making us doubt a good God. And so this message today is really about being shored up of your calling. And what God has called you to do, he is going to give you everything you need to do it. And it might not come in your timing. It might not look the way that you want, but it's still going to be, it's still going to happen. You know, he doesn't call us by accident. I do stuff by accident. You ever do something, you, you might score a basket in a game, kick something, and you're like, how'd that go in? And you, but you take credit like you did it all the time. We do those things all the time. God is purposeful in everything he does. And so I have four things. I'm just going to give you the four things, and then we're going to flush them out. It says, uh, first one is this. Jesus sends out his people through prayer. Okay? So I'm not going to elaborate. I want to elaborate. We're going to get, we'll go back to and elaborate in a second. Then second is, Jesus sends out his people with a purpose. 
Third, Jesus sends out his people with power. And finally, Jesus sends out his people with provision. Okay? And as we look at this scripture here, um, we have to go back up to the top and even really to the end of Mark 9, which you heard before. And it says in verse 35, then Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is always praying. If you look in scripture, he would wake up early in the morning to pray. He would stay up late at night to pray. He would, in the middle of going some, through something, pray. It was such a common theme in his life that his disciples even asked him, hey, how do I pray? It's one of the few things that Jesus gives us a rundown of what to do, how to do it. Prayer is important, and he did it, right? And so he's looking out at this harvest field, and I feel like is he doesn't really pull an okie doke but he kind of does. He's like, all right, I want y'all to pray that I send some people out. They pray, and then he sends them out. Okay? So I'm thankful for y'all praying for our ministry. So please continue to pray, and I'm looking forward to seeing y'all all out there. Okay? But I'm telling you, he prayed. Then he has us praying. Everything that we're called to do, if we get doubt, we get stuff going on, I'm wondering, am I even praying? Or am I complaining? God didn't do this. They didn't say this. Man, I didn't wish I had this. Uh, all these things that we do, we look around and we think, God is not, <laughs> he didn't call me to this. But we don't get back to reorienting ourselves, calibrating ourselves through prayer to what he might really be saying and doing in our lives. They say this, and, and to just keep this in, in mind, Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father doing. So he saw his father doing these things. He did these things. The disciples did these things. It's kind of like kids. Amari's two. She does exactly what I do most of the time. Right? She, where'd she learn that from? You know? You, uh, they just will follow you. We listen to She's like, I want hip hop. On. This is when we get in the car. It's just like, I want Lecrae. He wants to, she wants to hear the music that, that she hears her dad and mom listening to. We can have an influence. Jesus had an influence on them by just being the example and living it out. Part of what we're called to do as believers is just to be the example and live it out. Be quiet and just live it out. Your life will speak much more volumes oftentimes at a higher level than what you actually say. But what you can say can t totally disregard what you do sometimes. So I think it was Augustine that said, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. When necessary, if necessary. So I'm wondering for you and your life, what is the harvest field that Jesus would be standing next to you looking at? You know, is it your work? Is it your job somewhere? I don't know. Those are the same things. Is it, 
that what, that what you coach? Is it your fraternity, your sorority? Is it your uh, lodge that you're a member of? Is it um, your family, your house? When he looks out and he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, is he talking about you and me? Not going and doing what he's called us to do. So you've got to answer that question. We all have to answer that question. And, but we can go with confidence knowing that we've been prayed for by him. I remember um, when I was in Virginia, we had groups used to come to, to our ministry and want to do a mission trip. And they always wanted to do some basketball camp. I'm like, okay, here we go. And um, we would do this camp. We would attempt to. And I remember one year this group was so confident. They came in. They were going to teach us how to play basketball you know, or whatever and then throw Jesus on top. And no one showed up the first day. No one showed up the second day. And I was like, hmm. Even I was like, hey, free, you know, like we get to play at the, at the court in, at this church. Everybody wants to play there. Not everybody can. And that's a different message for a different time. And um, I was like, hey, has anyone prayed? And they're like, no, we forgot to, two days in a row, three days in a row. We finally pray, and then all of a sudden, a flood of kids start coming in. Sometimes God is just waiting on us to submit to him through prayer. You can't do it in your own strength. You cannot. And um, I think that's important. So he sends us out in prayer, and we do what we, we see him doing oftentimes. And... I noticed this when I was reading the other day on this scripture. John, I mean, Matthew 10, 1 just says, summoning his 12 disciples. And I think there's a difference where Jesus calls us to come follow him, then he's going to summon us to something. You know what I'm saying? The follow part is watch, observe, check out what I'm doing, go through a period of training. Hey, watch this out. Just because I called you doesn't mean it's time yet. You need to learn, Right? Mentorship is something we've forgotten about in many cases. Back in the day, the blacksmith would teach the young guy how to do it, right? It's just follow me. Okay, now it's time. All right, come on, guys. And he pairs them up. There's something powerful about he does not send us out alone. So I'll ask you, who is with you on your journey? Are you in isolation I spend way too much of my time in isolation. It's something we've been talking about. Hey, you need to be doing it with folks. He sent them in pairs. He said, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, they went as family. You know, James and John, hey, that's another family. Then you have uh, Philip and Bartholomew. Then you have Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, who reminds you of his sin. He got, God can save me and use me. He can use any of y'all, Right? Then it goes James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and then you have Simon the Zealot, then you have Judas, who also betrayed him. And uh, it's ironic because Zealot and Judas are put together, but Jesus knew what he was doing with his pairing, and he did that. And he sends them out, okay? And he sends them out on purpose. And I think we always have to remember and get back through prayer to what is our purpose. Why are we doing what we're doing? It's so easy to drift, and drifting is subtle. I heard if you start a boat on the, uh, on the East Coast and you just off one degree, like a half a degree, by the time it gets all the way across the ocean, it's way off course. 
So drift is subtle, so you don't even notice. It's like, you know, we're just a little s- slow walk. We're just, suddenly I'm all the way over here, and I'm like, how do I get over here? Like, he's going to send you with a purpose. With a purpose. And he knows our, <laughs> our tendency to drift so much so that he starts out with what not to do. Don't take the road leading to other nations and don't enter any Samaritan town. I wonder if it was like considered trendy or the thing to do to go to other nations into the Samaritan town. Oftentimes in ministry, we pick to do what is the trendy thing, what would get us the most attention, whatever, you know, like so we can put it up on lights, we can be on, on the news, uh, all that type of stuff. Is like He's like, no, I don't want you to go here. You may want to go here. It might be popular here. This is, might seem more fruitful here, but I want you to go over to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's essentially sending them back home. This is where I want you to go. No, I don't want to go back there. All these excuses, I would imagine. And he wants us to go there. And he doesn't want us to get ahead of him. There's a, there's a um, well... This happens every time I pick up a Mari. I'm going to use her in a lot of stories today. Um, we get, I pick her up from daycare. She runs, gives me a hug, so she softens me up already, right, for what she's about to do. And, uh, hey, Daddy! And then she runs, and then she's putting her hand on the exit door, and then she's trying to beeline out the, car, out the, out the place, running. I'm like, hey, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. Slow down. It's dangerous out here in the parking lot, especially if I'm not leading the way. And it's dangerous out here doing stuff on our own without Jesus leading the way. Is it not? Is it not dangerous? <laughs> like, he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're like, no, 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 I, gotta, I got this. You told me to go out, time to leave. I'm leaving. I go run through the parking lot, dodge the cars, everything. The things that could kill me, I'm just going to go do. And we do that so often with our walk with the Lord. There's a story here when Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so the disciples are like, I got this. I'm a fisherman. Follow me, Jesus. I got you. Jesus goes, chills. All right, you got this. Y'all, y'all got this. And he goes, sleep. And then a storm wakes up. And then they're asking, don't you care that we're about to die? I care, but you said you got this. No, our purpose is to go and do the things that he has called us to do. And for them, he's to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he's really to go to the heart of where they're at. And I think about that. I'm thankful that God has called people to go to the heart of of where lost people are, wherever that is, whether it's the high school, whether it's your lily, whether it's your job, where it's the Colts game today, wherever, wherever it is. Like, he is calling us. And he gives them seven words to share. Even last night, Chris and I was like, man, I don't feel like I got enough. Right? He gave them seven words. If Jesus had prepared you all this time, you're getting ready. You've just seen the Sermon on the Mount. You're wondering what your sermon is going to be. And you're like, all right, Jesus, I'm ready. Okay, let's go, let's go. Okay, I want you to say the kingdom of heaven has come near. What? That? 
Would you be disappointed? I'd be disappointed. Seven words, Jesus? That's it? But that's, and not only that, that's the same thing John the Baptist was saying. People don't think I copied him. Wait a minute, that was the same thing you were saying, Jesus, just earlier. People don't think I'm copying you. Man, we're in a bad place when it's like, I can't copy Jesus, right? Or I want to do something on my own. But his me- their message was, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I was thinking about this. The- these people were used to kingdoms coming near and taking over them. You know? They were, used, they were under, the Romans had them now. They, they were subject to all kinds of kingdoms. It should be a relief that the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's going to set them free. Going to release them from their bondage. Why add anything else to this message? Because it was the message that they needed to hear. And it was the same one again that others had shared. There should be a consistency in what we're saying that can be found in Scripture. You know, Jesus is not going to just suddenly give you a special message that is inconsistent with every message that he's ever said. Is he not? So you should, it should cause the rock kind of eyebrow when the person is saying something other than what Jesus has said. I don't see that in Scripture, Pastor. Well, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be, yeah, don't trust that. And if anything I say you don't see in Scripture, don't trust that. Trust Him and His message. And it might sound like, again, oh, this is just, it's simple. It's easy. I can do that. I got this. And I, I'm reminded my, my grandmother just passed away a couple, uh, a couple months ago. And my grandfather was asking a question. He was asking. They've been married 73 years. And uh, that's a long time. And um, they asked him, how did you stay married so long? And he goes, the answer is simple, but the task is not. Mm, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's true. He's he been around, right? The answer is simple, but the task is not. Jesus is calling something simple. It's a message. You know, but it's going to be a difficult task that we're going to want to wander from. We're going to want to add to what he has called us to say and do. And it's going to lead to all kinds of frustrations and causing us to doubt him when we're not being obedient to him. And I don't think he would say Samaria is bad. He, he wouldn't. Or the other nations. It just wasn't for them to go do. You know? And so we can oftentimes get caught up in doing things that are good, but aren't what we're called to do. You know? Oftentimes in ministry that happens. Mike, you don't need to be starting a barber shop. You don't have any hair. You know what I'm saying? And you spend all this time, well now a beard shop, then maybe we it's different. Um, we might that might be a good thing, but it's not the thing for you to do. You're not no one's gonna trust you to cut their hair. All right? You need to focus on going where kids are on the football field or wherever it may be. Third Jesus sends people out with power. With power. Not the TV show. He sends us out with power to do stuff. 
to confirm what he has called us to say. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. He's called us and given us a power that it can only be explained as by him doing it. As confirmation of the calling that he's given you. For me... I was uh, in Roanoke, Virginia again doing work, and there was a housing project called Hurt Park, and they had some famous basketball players that were from there, and I felt like we knew probably every student that, that lived there and could just walk around, but you still needed to show that you could play basketball. I don't have the skill to say that I can just play basketball, but I just joked. I was like, hey, the Lord did it today. I would go out there. And I could close my eyes, throw it behind my back, and it would go in every time. I can't explain it. The Lord just knew Mike needed some help here, <laughs> right, to get some credit so that he can talk to these young men. Same thing happened at Pike, first camp trip. There was a guy, we took seven guys, and I was worried. I was like, I'm going to pass out. If we play basketball every day, all day, all the time, I'm going to pass out. We get to the camp. There's a lake. There is rides. You can go do whatever. There is go-karts, ropes course, zip line. Where do our guys go? Beeline to the basketball court. You could be anywhere else. And you, we, we brought bathing suits, everything. We could do anything. And we're going to go to the basketball court. So we go. And... Um, there's seven of us. I make eight, so I have to play. So it's four on four. And so they want to try to clown me. There was one guy that he was really good. Everybody respected him. He was a good basketball player. And I don't know how this happened. They rebounded. I, I, they, they would pass it to me because they knew I'd pass it back. So they pass it to me. I'm dribbling. This guy comes in front of me, and I just go right around him. He does this little thing. And then I make a layup, and that was the time for me to leave, you know, the court. <laughs> that move still talks to guys today. It allows me to talk so much trash. Y'all don't see me on the court. You know what happened to so-and-so. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Whew. We played one game, and then I was like, hey, I need a sub. And they, it was bad. This past summer, somehow I got out of it. I talked the talk, but I did not walk the walk when it came to, to that. God gives us power. I mean, that's a funny example, but he gives us power to do the things he's called us to do. And there'll always be something that you cannot take credit for. Me standing right here, I can't take credit for it. You know, wherever you are, you can't take credit for it. God has given you a power. And his power is this. I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with sick diseases, and drive out demons. Why did he pick that? Why did he give that as their superpower? You know what I'm saying? But really, those were things. If you had those things, you were separated from all your family, from all your friends, from the whole community, everything. They considered there was something wrong with you if you had this. If you had a skin disease, you had to announce to everybody you had that skin disease. They had a right to kill you if you came near them. And so Jesus... So Jesus' disciples are going to be the ones that get in there and cleanse them? You know, 
the reconciliation that came as a part of this, the welcoming back to the family is part of this. The, the family picnic reunion doubled in size because people that had to live outside the city were now brought into this city because they had been healed. This could only be done by a person that had been given some power by the God of the universe. That should be just like, what? God sends us out in power. In power, not in weakness. So please stop acting and being like God hasn't given you the power to do whatever he's called you to do. You lie to yourself and you're believing a lie. That is intense. He does it. But the temptation is this. When you find out that you have a superpower, right, you kind of want to, hey, how can we monetize this thing? You know what I'm saying? How can, we, how can we make some money? This is a good opportunity right here. I can just touch people, and then suddenly they heal. I'm going to try to monetize this thing, right? But Jesus is like, no. Freely it's been given to you, free of charge, it says. Now you need to give it free of charge to other people. And really this is even a bigger affront to the next point is like Jesus promises to provide and then this money is probably there thinking, I just got to provide for my family. I've just got to take care of everyone around me. I'm not going to buy the new Jordans. I'm just going to buy shoes for my, my family, right? I don't need the new car. But, or the whatever they used back then, chariot, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can walk. I'm just trying to help out my, my, my family. We have all these good intentions, but they're wrong if they're not what God wants. And he doesn't want that for you. He wants you to trust that he sends out people with provision. Verse 9, it says, and this is crazy. Don't take along gold, silver, copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a walking stick. For the worker is worthy of his food. To me, it's like, well, what do you want me to take? Can I take anything? At least, you know, like, I, we joke, I overpack. Any overpackers in the room? Yeah, okay. Oh, a lot of denied overpackers in the room. Okay. <laughs> Don't want to say it. You know, like going two days. I got made fun at the wed at the marriage retreat. I we came in with bags. It's like, Mike, you're here two days. Don't know what's gonna happen in two days. <laughs> if the house burns down, I got my you know or whatever. I get all my stuff is here. <laughs> or if we're stuck here, all my stuff's here. So we're, we're good to go. Right. Oh, I should have played it. Oh, this is only two days? I thought it was a, a full week. Anyway, God provides. He says, don't bring these things. But he will provide. And he always provides. And I think it, we, were, we would be in a good place if we as families would write down different times that God has provided for us. Because it's so easy to forget in the heat of the moment that God has provided for me in the past. And he will provide for me in the future. He always does. 
You won't miss. If you're doing what he wants, he's got you and will protect you and will take care of you. In Matthew 6, it's a long verse, a couple verses about this whole topic. He says in his sermon, this is why I tell you, don't worry about life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, they are not. That, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will you eat, what will you drink, or what will you wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow... Or will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. God will provide. He knows what you need. And unfortunately, oftentimes what we need and what we think we need aren't in line. And I'm praying for each one of us and myself included that we will get in line with what we truly need and what we truly need. Eh, it's just a desire that will go away. So in closing, again, Jesus sends out his people through prayer. He sends out his people with purpose. He sends out his people with power. And he sends out his people with provision. And to follow that quote that was quoted, and now I'm quoting, uh, of like not letting losing get to your heart, um, if you notice, they don't always respond well to this message here. Some of them reject it. Some of them receive it. That's why it's important for us when it comes to our calling, not to focus on the results, but to focus on just being faithful. God has called you to be faithful. He's not called you to save anybody. He has called you to be faithful. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of us can do it. He's called us to be faithful. We want to, it to be said, good job, my faithful servant. Faithful being the emphasis. Faithful in him. All those questions that we have about him really come down to we don't trust God. I don't trust that he loves me and his goodness or anything. We have to. It's the only way to go through this this, this life that we're li living. And for me, doubting, hey, does God call me to this? I need to get reoriented with Ephesians 2.10 that I am God's workmanship created in him to do good works, which he's already prepared for me to do. He's going to do these things that he says. He promises this. And uh, to close uh, with it, to close a close, I hate it when pastors say close many times, I'm closing again. Um, um, it's my last close, maybe, maybe. Got three more closings left. It was a food chain that, that needed to close down. 
So in football, I, so I said I was a kicking coach, and I want to tell you some insider secrets, okay? The, the, uh, when you look out and you see the whole team on the sidelines, every one of those players thinks they should be in the game. The sidelines is full of people that think they should be in the game. Hopefully. There might be 10% that don't hope their number isn't called because they know that it's going it's to get. If I'm in, we're getting killed or something. You know, I, we're about to, I'm about to get killed. Coach is mad at the real player that needs to be in there. So they're, they're like, but it might not be their time yet to go in might be the key. Maybe they, they have the skills they had the potential. It's just not time yet. And so uh, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, so I have, I have three. See, I'm not only am I the low man on the pole, normally there's like one kicker. And so when there's stuff and they're talking about, hey, you need to handle your players. You know, you need to talk to so-and-so. Mike, you need to talk to the Zach. <laughs> Let me tell you, no one knows Zach in here, but Zach, Zach has a 4.7 and he scored a 34 on his ACT. So... There's no worries, so I'm just like, well, I'm going to sit down while they go in on talking about somebody else, this player, right? But there comes a point in the game where he has been doing whatever he's been doing. He's been getting mentally prepared. The games are really the culmination of what you've done all week, right, Monday through Thursday. And for us, we have a practice on Saturday morning. Um, and I get to go, as it looks like we're about to kick a field goal, I'm like, all right, Zach, come on. And I'm whispering in his ear, you're going to do it, you got this, nothing, easy money, you know, whatever, just to, to get him prepared. And then I get to go out on the field. And he gets to do what he's called to do. He isn't called to block people. He isn't called to throw the ball. He's called to kick it through the uprights or kick it in the end zone. I always joke, hey, just kick it and pick up your tee and walk off the field is what we want. It means you kicked it through the end zone. And for us, we have been called to do certain things. It might not be to throw the ball. It might not be to run the ball or block the ball. But we need to be ready and making the most of every opportunity, believing that God, the coach, is going to put us in when it's time and we're going to do something that no one else can do. I don't get the offensive linemen to kick field goals. They can't do it. It's going to be a thunder toe. You know, they come in. They always want to. Mike, can I, can I just get it? Coach Mike, can I get it? No, you can't. Uh, not today. But I get to send him out. And God is there. He's, I feel like this is like the follow me. I'm summoning you. It's your time, Marcellus. It's time to go out there. Are you going to be able to do it when you get out there? And you can if you're trusting him. If you know that he is putting you out there through prayer. He's put you out there with a purpose and power and provision. He equips you and gets you to where you can go perform the task that he's called you to do. And no one else can get the credit but him for that. Amen. And we can walk in that. But there's even one further thing. You'd be like, the message is different now. Well, uh, Matthew 28 at the end here, 18, this is the 15th conclusion. Um, Matthew 28, 18, it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, and remember, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what's different about this is now 
the coach and you are both going out there to do the task. And really, he's going to do the task. Move out the way, Mike. And he's going to kick the ball through, and we're not going to miss. And he's going to get the glory. Are you willing to let him do that? So often, we want to be like, ah, praise me. But really, it needs to be praise God. Praise God for what he's done in our lives. Praise God for what he's going to do in our lives, with us, through us, in us, around us on top of us, whatever, and just trust him because he has given you everything you need. When you're feeling like, man, this is hard. I don't think God has called me to do this. He probably has. We just need to reorient ourselves with him and not the circumstance that we're in. All right? Let me close in prayer. Gracious Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I pray that we will realize you have called us. You have prayed for us. You've had us pray. And then you have given us a purpose, and you've sent us out with power and provision. What else can we need? Lord, we're not responsible for the response of people. Uh, We're just responsible for our response to you, and that is to be faithful to you. And I pray that we will, uh, Lord, in each day and as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm grateful for this morning that we've heard that word that indeed God does call us.